Seems like a gent till you catch what he meant. He's the backhanded compliment guy. I don't know why that's growing on me. I got to make that video. Uh, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, you can listen to yesterday's podcast. But welcome to another episode of Jack of All. Excited to be with you guys this morning. Uh, I was thinking about the backhanded compliment guy, backhanded compliments. And I don't think this is really a backhanded compliment, but this is something that Kristen always says <laughs> to me. It drives me crazy. Hopefully she listens to this so that I can do all of my conflict through this and I never have to actually talk to her about anything. <laughs> okay, the most passive-aggressive way to have an argument is <laughs> to voice all your dirty laundry on podcast and hope she listens to it. That's funny. Well, what, one thing she always says is... Um, Uh, No, it's not on you. That's on me. My expectations were too high. I'm like, what? That's so... You can't do that. Like, I'd clean the house, expecting an attaboy. And she'd go... She'd look upset. I'm like, are you okay? Is everything fine? She's like, yeah. Did you you clean? I was like, heck yeah, I cleaned. Is this some sort of sick joke? We're not standing in feces. I've been mopping all day. And she's like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. That's on me. My expectations are just too high. I was like, okay, you just can't do that. We just got to take that out. No more of that. (laughs) So, Kristen, if you're listening, email your retort to, uh, (laughs) we'll just do it that way. Uh, Man, I read an article this morning that talked about uh, female Facebook use in India uh, said that females aren't allowed to be on Facebook. Actually, that's not the case. They are allowed to be on Facebook, but the societal pressure is for females to be off it. Right? Societal pressure meaning um, if they have a Facebook profile, they'll be shunned by their families. Uh, the, the parents of young men there who are looking for wives. Um, for their sons because a large arranged marriage culture is still there in India. And if not technically arranged, heavily, heavily influenced, right? The parents see these women on Facebook and assume rebellion or promiscuity or whatever. And so these women have to create secret accounts with, you know, pictures of nature for their profile pictures just to kind of be on there and get to see pictures of their family or do whatever else, now, which is crazy, which is just so crazy that that still happens. You know, I, I know that I don't have a, a great finger on the pulse of culture in, in India. It's just, I don't know, it's sad. It makes me think of the disenfranchised throughout history, you know, just of race and gender and sexual orientation and I think um, obviously as a whole things are much better now right of course than 60 years ago but there is still residual um, not at all like there is with this article about India I'm saying but uh, I think that it does highlight this problem of societal pressure which is a very difficult thing to define and to not locate, but um, yeah, to call out, I guess. 
uh, I was watching this another video not too long ago on equal rights. And I was thinking to myself, I was watching this, uh, that, you know, according to the law, rights are equal. You know? There, there's not any right that says this person gets something that person doesn't. Um, and that's true. Uh, like, I, yes, I, I agree with that. Rights are equal. If you know the name Ben Shapiro, uh, I like Ben. He's a political analyst. He's One of his big arguments is against kind of this blanket statement of institutional racism. And his point is, if we're going to fix institutional racism, then we need to find the racist laws and racist law enforcers and get rid of them, right? Just the... His problem is with just claiming institutional racism is too vague, right? If you just say that there is institutional racism, it makes no strides towards betterment, really. Because usually the first step towards fixing is blame, is determining who gets blame. But shouting institutional racism is too broad to even achieve blame. So, yes, I agree that there's a necessity of kind of determining these racist laws and law enforcers to continue to fix the problem. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and I know that throughout history, racist undertones have kind of hid behind the equality laws. You know? Like when African Americans early on were essentially kept from voting because of like skewed literacy tests and poll taxes, um, there were laws that people could look to and say, yeah, but the law says this. And still, those laws were very nuanced by racism. Um, and then the Voting Rights Act, 1965, uh, everyone's like, oh, good, there it is. See, black and white, it's in the law. And still, there are hundreds of stories of African Americans that face societal pressure not to vote. Um, if it was found out that these african-americans voted then the restaurants who were there uh, who are allowed to refuse service to anybody would kind of blacklist them and their life would just be much 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 more difficult if they did that's the societal pressure component that goes a little bit further than you know just the laws being racist and intent so yeah here in india i i looked because this article intrigued me and there is no law against women being on Facebook in India. Um, but still, right? Still, that exists. So I think that in any oppression or disenfranchisement, whether that's race or socioeconomic, um, sexual orientation, gender, that laws being oppressive is absolutely a necessary place to start, right? For sure, start there. And I also recognize that it leaves room for kind of loophole oppression, <laughs> kind of like loophole subjugation, that you can still manipulate your will. And that can almost be this crutch of, yeah, but it's black and white in the law. So um, I don't know, this whole thing made me think of a conversation that I had with a friend recently. And it was about... Um, women's impact in the church and my friend said this here's his statement he said i think that the church doesn't value women's voices like it should 
And I don't know, for whatever reason, maybe it's because I had just freshly been removed from that world. I felt defensive, I guess. Um, yeah, something something came up in me. It's because here's what I heard, right? I, I heard the church doesn't value women. And for whatever reason, I wasn't able to look at the macro. I was just looking at what I was involved in. And I thought, well, that wasn't true for ours. You know, certainly wasn't true for me. Um, but then I thought, you know what? What he said of the church not valuing women's voices, not even macro. Like looking at my mentality, I think that there might be some serious truth to that. To be honest, um, my wife and I communicate very, very differently. <laughs> I have my bullet points in my head, right? I try to be as efficient as possible with my words, etc. And Kristen, um, these are her words. She's more of a circle talker, right? Eventually, we'll get to a really good point. <laughs> We just have to kind of take a journey to get there, you know? Well, we'll start with a problem that she's having. Then we'll take a dip into her most recent counseling session, right? Then we'll head on over to her dream house walk-in closet measurements. And then you're like, okay, this has got to be coming to a close. And right when it seems like she's landing the plane, uh, we'll touch tires and then we'll take off again and we'll be in Brene Brownville, right? We'll go all over the place. Now, is that all women? No, I'm not saying that. Uh, but it probably better as a whole describes women's minds than men's minds, right? And that's, I think that's the point, that there is a difference. Um, okay, even if you don't go there with me, uh, even if we don't separate it at the gender mark, I think we'd agree that those are kind of the two types of minds, right? Maybe we talked about it earlier in another podcast, the logical versus emotional, that there's kind of the circle thinking, there's a bullet point, uh, bullet point thinking. So here's the realization that I had. Uh, I subconsciously value the circle talking in the brainstorming meetings, Right? This, what Kristen has, like this emotionally driven, passionate, maybe sometimes too passionate voice. Uh, I'm, I'm all about that when we're dreaming for the future. Um, but I think subconsciously, I thought ultimately when it's time for the church congregation to hear a voice, that it needs to be the bullet point guy. I mean, if I'm going to be totally honest, I think that's that was my mentality. It needs to be a figure that is traditionally correlated with you know authority and strength, and and thinks this way and communicates this way. And yeah, I I don't know where that came from. I, maybe I've been kind of conditioned to think that because it's what I've seen. I think that we've conditioned ourselves um, and other people to kind of determine which voice is more needed in certain circumstances. Um, tell you what I do know. <laughs> I know that every time my wife and I met with someone, 
when I would talk to that person a week later or talk to that couple a week later just to check up, 90% of the time it was something that Kristen said or did that stuck with them. Really, like 90% of the time. And I th- so after my friend said this, I just started thinking to myself, and I thought, man, how many times does that have to happen for me to start valuing the voice as much as I do the person? Of course I value Kristen, but do I value her voice as much as I should? Maybe there's this, uh, I've placed conditions on the value of her voice, to be totally honest. Um, so that was something I recognized a while ago, and we have been working at that because um, I still find myself, if I'm going to be completely honest, in conversation thinking that I know better socially than Kristen does. And Kristen, if I give you the, the nonverbal look, that means you've been talking too long. And man, who am I to say any of that garbage? And so... Um, just because I'd love for that to be automatically fixed in me, but it's not. <laughs> it takes time and it takes apologizing. Obviously not straight to her. I'll apologize through the podcast and then she'll hear it later. <laughs> but it's definitely something that we're working on. Um, so yeah, for you men out there, um, maybe that's a little inspiration. Value your wife's voice, you know? Make her feel like her voice is worthy of the big stage. <laughs> not just in the brainstorming meetings, not just in the pre-combo on the way to dinner with friends, but that it's valued there, right? Not just at home, um, not just with other women, but something that you want and you need to complement your own voice, right? And then for all of us, I don't know, um, just thinking of the residual uh, oppression and subjugation that that exists throughout history. I think all of us have that, even from early uh, conditioned circumstances in our lives. It is necessary for us to continue to find the beauty in voices different than ours. You know? When Kristen and I are operating at our best, man... Uh, we assume the best in each other. And I know that when we're talking, instead of having this eye of where's this going and what she can immediately pick up on, instead, I'm so expectant of a good conversation and I'm expectant um, of beauty coming at the end, right? Instead of being on my heels, I'm like, cool, this is, this is, a, this is a cool journey, man. I get to learn about my wife here. And yeah, maybe we'll go all over the place, but one of my one of my cherished roles in conversation um, is I get to help her kind of put her puzzle together, right? Her puzzle of of thought. So if you've ever dumped a puzzle out of the box on the table before, it looks so crappy. <laughs> There's pieces turned over. It's just a mess, right? Just a big clump. But Uh, I have put enough puzzles together to know that if I'll be patient, um, and in the metaphor, if I'll be with Kristen on this process, that there is something beautiful in the waiting, right? 
at the end, we will come to something beautiful. And it doesn't have to be a dynamite point. It can more just be understanding each other and feeling like we're on each other's teams. And so um, that comes from seeking to understand, not looking to justify yourself. It, it uh, comes from not you know, shying away from differences, but leaning into differences to find the beauty in a different perspective. So, um, value well, (laughs) love differences, right? And as always, find the God-designed beauty in the people around you. You have that opportunity to do that today. So look around and ask yourself, what does love require of me today? And we will make this world a better place. So thanks for joining us on another episode of Jack of All. And we'll try again tomorrow.